This is a download from Newstalk 106 to 108. To download other programmes or for more information, go to newstalk.ie. Off the ball. Getting inside the game. On Newstalk 106 to 108. All right, uh, delighted to say John Giles is with us. John, a very good evening to you. Thanks, Jar. Uh, I want to start by talking about Mourinho. He's kind of... Funnily enough, made himself the story of the week again. Yeah. Uh, with his almost outburst at the end of the game, which was cut short, where he was talking about he wants to go somewhere he's loved. Yeah. Um, Mourinho's been described this week as a manager who wages war wherever he goes, war on the press, on his opponents, um, and that over a period of time, that becomes less and less effective, and that maybe he needs to do something new or reinvent himself. I think some of the things... I think he's, he's been a, he is a great coach, yeah, to do what he's done... Uh, you know, with Porto, Chelsea, into Milan, you don't do that uh, by being lucky. You have to have an awful lot of ability to do it, and I think he has an awful lot of ability. I think the things that get him into trouble are outside of football in many ways. In that, I think he's he's a publicity seeker, and I think he has to be bigger than the event. You know, when he was at Porto and he won the European, the European, uh, sorry, the the Champions League, he threw his medal. So he's always doing something that would be bigger than the team, mm. and I think that's an ego business. I mean, if you go over some of the some of most of the great managers in the past, Alex Ferguson, for example, would be. Uh, I mean, he has his faults, but he doesn't be he doesn't try to be bigger than the team or the event. He lets his team do his talking for him. Uh, and if you look at Mourinho's record, whether it be at Porto, uh, particularly at Chelsea, I mean, some of the things he did. Uh, were very, very bad and bad for himself, bad for the game, bad for the club. Uh, you know, he got a referee in, in serious trouble. Yeah, the Anders uh, Frisk thing. Match yeah. against Barcelona when they played, he, 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 he called a few players different names. He had the ambulance incident at Chelsea. So he's always bigger than the club. And I think he goes out of his... That doesn't happen by accident. He goes out of his way to do it. That's a strategy. And, and does he think... I mean, I know we're, we're projecting here and we're trying to get inside his head, mm. but did, is it to help exclusively Mourinho or does he think that he's doing the right thing for everybody? No, I think it's himself. Um, I mean, if the, if if he allowed the team to get on with it, he would get the praise anyway for doing what he's done because he's done terrific things with, 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 with the team. But he has to be bigger than the event. And like it, I think it's just an ego thing that he, that he has to be the story. Uh, it's no coincidence that every club he goes to uh, he leaves them on bad terms. Yeah. Now, there could be uh, a, a reason for it that I would admire. I think wherever he goes, he wants to be in charge of the things that he should be in charge of. Um, like if you take Chelsea, for example, uh, I think he was in charge there for the first three years. What I mean by being in charge, he has to say for the ingoing and outgoing of players and the appointment of his own staff. Yeah. They're the important things as a manager. That's when you're in control of the situation, that you can sell Joe Bloggs, buy Joe Bloggs. So that's your team. And I think I've said it before in this program, all the managers uh, when have a, a vision of what they want on the pitch. And the only way, way to, to, to fulfil that vision, if that's the right term, is to have the players that you see doing the things that you want them to do. Now, in a club, if in a Brom, in, I think he did that for the first three years at Chelsea and was very, very successful. And as we know, it wasn't sexy enough, as they say, for Abramovich. So I think Abramovich decided, well, I'm going to do something about this. And he brought Shishenko in. He brought Balak in. Yeah. Now, this is dis- disrupting totally the vision that Mourinho would have for it. So it, it blew up and he blew up with uh, Abramovich. And I think quite rightly in that particular situation. 
Uh, but the things that happened to Chelsea, which had nothing to do with Abramovich, the, the instance that we talked about before there, I mean, they were unnecessary. And it was all about bringing the publicity towards him. I mean, remember there was the Barcelona match, there was some controversy. Uh, and before the match, the return match from Stamford Bridge into Barcelona, he was on the pitch before the match and the crowd were giving him unbelievable sick. And he said he did it to take the, 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 the uh, attention away or the, from his team. That's, that's total nonsense. I mean, when the team came out, they still got stick anyway. So whatever's in him, um, he, he needs that publicity. A lot of the people think it is, Gerard. A lot of, lot of managers that he was never a player. He was never a well-known player. He was yeah. never famous as a player. And, and it, it has happened before. Some people who are, don't have that limelight as a player, when they go into management, crave that limelight. And I think he craves the limelight. Now, in the situation that he's in at the moment, I think there would be a lot of merit in, in saying that. I think it's very difficult to get control of the playing side of, of football at the Real Madrid. And I don't, I think it's, it's been a battle, and I admire him for that battle to try and get the control that is needed. And I think he falls out with a lot of the, the directors or, or the owners over that, which I can understand. But apparently he's fallen out with the players as well, which is very, very unusual for him because where he's been at Chelsea, he's had a great relationship with the players. Yeah. Not such a great relationship with the press and the directors, but a great relationship with the players. And I think that's changed uh, for whatever reason at, at Madrid. It's funny because on the face of it, uh, Madrid in the situation they found themselves in was actually the perfect fit for him. Barcelona, when he arrived, were the mm. preeminent force and everybody. Yeah. So he could turn that into a chippy team the way he had done with a little bit with uh, Inter, certainly with Porto, and a little bit even with Chelsea, they were yeah. arriving and, and nobody really believed in them. Yeah, we had, he had a good relationship with the players. You know, whatever whatever way he did it, like when he first went to Chelsea, it was supposed to be all the egos, he's going to have a job with all the big... No problem. Mm. He had a meeting out of his hand, in fact. I think he did the same with Inter Milan. Uh, I, I don't think he probably think he did at Porto, but Real Madrid has been different. You know, he's fallen out with Casillas, the goalkeeper, uh, Ramos... You know, he's fallen out with a few of them, which is most unusual for him. I don't know how it's happened, uh, but it's happened. Uh, that's most unusual. I think he's also obviously fallen out with the with the owners because they're, they're not doing anything to keep him. They seem to be glad to get rid of him. Yeah, because I think because of the amount of controversy and, and trouble that he brings, that everybody, oh, yeah, there's yeah. always a constant, there's war on one front somewhere. Yeah. Um, well, you know, a lot of people said when he was at Chelsea, he did this to relieve the pressure on the team. But I never believed that. You know, you don't see Alec Ferguson relieving the pressure on the team by being controversial or making controversial statements or controversial actions and what he did. I think what he, I honestly believe that it's an ego thing with him. He has to have the attention all the time or he has to do something that that uh, brings the attention to him instead of letting the team do the talking. I mean, there's nobody's going to be more famous in football than Alex Ferguson and he hasn't gone out of his way to promote himself or get gain, get get publicity in any way, Jack. Do his mind games maybe count? Would that be his equivalent? No, no. no. Ferguson's play. There's a lot of talk about mind games in football, and it's a total exaggeration, uh, Jack. I mean, there's nobody better than mind games than Alex Ferguson, uh, because his mind games always influence the referee. Whatever statement you see Ferguson make, it's going. It's to influence the next referee, as opposed to the team. Or, oh or yeah, take he, away. He, he takes the attention away from the team and away from himself. It's always about the referee. Influence the referee. Influence the referee. And all the other managers have taken that up as well. And, uh, you know, he, 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 the mind games, the mind games haven't made Ferguson a great manager. What's made him a great manager is judge of players, his discipline, 
day-to-day working, getting good players in, changing the teams over a period of over 20 years, which is brilliant, brilliant management. That, nothing to do with mind games. It's, it's, that's a total exaggeration. So the, the thing that makes Mourinho a great manager, and it's fair to say he has been a great manager. Oh, yeah. It's, it's his football things. What's made Mourinho great is his relationship with the players, right? And nobody knows that relationship. Only he and the players know that. But the players are the most important pairs of people to have the relationship with. I've seen a lot of managers there, and people, players are always suspicious of them. The manager who has a great relationship with the press usually does it at the expense of the players. And players usually know that he's he's great relationship with the press, but he hasn't got a good relationship with the players. Yeah. Because normally, if you have a good relationship with the, press, with the players, it's very difficult to have a good relationship with the press because you don't be giving any secrets away, you don't be giving any tales away, and the press's job is to get those particular things. The the question about Mourinho and the the style that he's used, this has been a major setback, you'd have to say, in his career that he didn't win a Champions League with a Madrid side who many people felt could have won a Champions League over the last couple of seasons. Um, But he's still a a brilliant manager and one of the top players in the game. He did, yeah. He won, the league, won the league with him. I mean, that that was that was you know splitting the Barcelona uh, uh, supremacy. I mean, they were winning it year after year. He's gone and won the league, uh, and he's, I think he's got to two or three semi-finals in the Champions League. So there's an awful lot expected of him, Jar. I think what's uh, I think what's happened in the meantime, which happens, he seems to be a three-year man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever it is in his personality, he falls out with people. And after three years, despite his success at Inter Milan, they let him go. Despite his success at Porto, and whether they wanted him to go, I don't know. No. But so despite his success at Chelsea, Abramovich got rid of him, really. So whatever it is in his personality, uh, you, you pay a price for the success of the team. And is that price, if you're in, uh, on a club-by-club basis, obviously it's going to be very different, but is he still as attractive a proposition for all the clubs out there that he was before? Yeah, I think he is, Jerry. I'll tell you, because I think he's a three-year man. And when you're in, in the positions that Chelsea are in at the moment, or some of the big clubs... Three years is a long time. Mm. The next season is the most important and it's to get them back on the rails that, you know, if a Bromwich gets them in, it's to get them back on the rails again. I don't think they'd last, I, don't, be, I think they'd be lucky to last three years together again. Yeah. But for the time being, the next season is the most important. You can't look like two or three seasons down the line, even in football. It's the next one that counts for these big clubs. We, we talked about the, the moment where the relationship fractured as it was reported the, the first time and it got really petty it, it, ultimately they kind of they dared each other to sack and yeah. resign well that was a game they were playing I mean that was a game Mourinho was playing Mourinho didn't resign because he knew he had a big he had a big payout to, and, and, and I think he's actually as well you can do what you want for the time being but I'm not going to resign and in the end Abramovich had to had to sack him and they came to an arrangement uh, I think for a, for, for a, quite a lot of money yeah um, can you get over that 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 level of yeah, anger and pain yeah I, I think so I think they um, I think after f- what is it five years yeah, you know it's, it's a bit like a marriage that breaks <laughs> up you know after five years people forget the bad things uh, that happened when they were there and I think Abramovich would say well if he can do what he did for me before uh, then and give me three years of success and, and uh, from Mourinho's point of view well if I can do three years that's as much as I do Anyway, and it can be successful again. I'm taking over the club that hasn't won anything for... Well, they've won things, but they haven't done it in a way that's been as consistent as they would like to be. Yeah. Um, that would that would suit both of us. That's the way I read it, anyway. Yeah, and I suppose the money helps on both sides of as well. Of course. I mean, if, 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 you see, from Abramovich's point of view, the money is not, is not, a, is not a problem. I um, mean, he's got... He'll never, he'll never spend all the money he's got. He wants to produce a team that's winning. 
and winning in a way that he likes. Now, I don't think uh, Mourinho is going to change his, his way of, of playing or anything like that, but there would be a consistency about it that Chelsea haven't had. I mean, he's had seven, man- eight managers in, in since since Mourinho left. Yeah. Uh, and despite the, f- the fact that some have been successful, they haven't been as successful as Mourinho, and the crowd love him. I mean, the crowd love Mourinho, and I don't blame them because he was very, very successful for him. So it'd be a big change for him to go in after Benitez, who was detested by the very unfairly, in my opinion, by the supporters, to have uh, Jose back, who they love. They love him. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Five three one zero six is the text number. John, stay with us. Get your questions into him. We'll be back after these. Off the ball, getting inside the game on News Talk 106 to 108. All right, you're very welcome back. It's Jerry uh, Gilroy here with you this evening on Off the Ball. We've got John Giles in studio. John, I want to talk about uh, the situation uh, in the relegation zone, really, and, and particularly Newcastle and Sunderland. Um, and maybe kind of following on from uh, managers, we, we can focus a bit uh, from Mourinho, we can focus a bit on, on Pardew and De Canio. Uh, Newcastle have banned a Telegraph reporter and the Telegraph from reporting all of their games and press conferences because they wrote a story claiming that there's cliques in the dressing room, the French players don't speak good enough English to understand what Pardew is saying and that um, they don't really care about the situation that the club are in. Uh, today, two of the French players issued a statement saying we are together as a team, we, mm. we totally understand the situation, but they're in a really bad place right now. Yeah, well, we saw them last week. They've had two really bad defeats, uh, Ger. Watched them against Liverpool last week. They were awful, really awful. And again, Pardew's a high-profile manager himself. You know, when things were going well last year, Ger, you know, they finished fifth and they just missed out in Europe and I think he just expected to continue. Very high-profile in in, 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 in his, his statements after the match and that. And he's come down to earth with a bang. Um, and they were getting a great praise early on for signing some of these French players who were terrific. But I think they finished up with nine French players on the on the field last week. And I'm not saying it was because they were French or Irish or English or anything else, but they were very, very poor. And they got a right height and they didn't show any spirit, they didn't show any go about them. And I think it's a very, very worrying situation for Newcastle at the moment when they look like they were going to be safe, very safe this year. In fact, looking to get for the top four spot. So it's a big... Uh, it's a big change and he's, he's a big job on his hands there now. What do you do when you go into a dressing room and everybody doesn't actually understand you, first off? Well, well, first of all, they, they didn't get into the dressing room by accident yet. Somebody had to bring them in and the person who brought them in was the manager. So whoever, whatever, manager, whatever the manager does and brings the players in, he's responsible for them. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the, I don't think the, link, the, link, the, 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 the language is a great barrier if the players are of the right stuff. You, you don't have to say too much to good players or communicate with them that much. Yeah. Um, maybe there's trouble in the dressing room. I don't know. But my, my experience of football is that players generally accept good players no matter where they're from. So I don't know what the, 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 the uh, breakdown might be in relationship among the players. I don't know. But certainly, uh, you know, the manager is responsible for bringing those players in. What about Paulo De Canio then this week? Uh, another... Uh, uh, another one. Another whole pro- high-profile guy. Uh, and he got a, a kick, a big, big kick up the backside the other night. Um, I dis- disliked the Canio's reaction when he took over Sunderland. And one of the things he said, which is one of the worst things you can say about the outgoing manager, which was Martin O'Neill, is these players are not fit. We're going to train them harder. That's the worst insult you can give a manager. It means he's not doing his job. He hasn't got the players fit because that's the first thing you have to do. Now, I watched the match the other night against Villa when they got a right hide. And the first thing, if I was commenting after the match, I'd say... Those players didn't look fit to me. They were awful. They were awful. And he was, he was because he was playing up himself before about the revival at uh, Sunderland. 
They'd played three matches, Jer. They'd won two and lost one. Now they've played four. They've won two and lost two. Mm. Now, if you go back to Martin O'Neill when he first took over Sunderland last year or the year before, whenever it was, I bet I bet he'd won more than two matches out of four. And there's not like and Martin. I think Martin is a really decent fella. And I think when you're the outgoing manager, you're defenceless, and the, the, should, the incoming manager shouldn't make any comments about the Rogsley comments in particular. Just get on with the job and do your own job. But to say, uh, well, the, play, the players don't look. It's a great. It's a great thing for the incoming manager to say because people say, "Oh, he's going to get them fit and he's going to have them training." And he's got now what they looked like me the other night, he might, which he might have done. They looked as if they did too much training. Yeah, they actually looked unfit. There has been talk that they've been doing double sessions, all right. Yeah, we see that's that's the show. I, in fact, when he took over there, he had the press in to show his training session. Managers don't do that. Whatever you do, you do you do behind closed doors. The players know what you're doing. You don't have to show it to the press. So that's all shown off. Now, I think if he has done that. He's doing it at the wrong time of the season and the players will be legless. Everybody says De Canio has incredible levels of self-confidence, but is it just a really deep insecurity to need to be loved by the press? Is, is that like, which, is. which is actually a lack of self-confidence yeah, in more ways. I don't think he's a self-confident guy at all. I mean, you don't need to talk the way he's talked since he's gone to, uh, since he's gone to Sunderland. Uh, you know, because he's, 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 he, he, say he invited the press in to see the press, to see the trend. Now, that's to show the press, look what I'm able to do with these particular lads. You know, well, if you've got confidence in yourself, your relationship is with the players and you should have confidence to get the players on your side without the press coming into it at all. Everything is high profile. It always has been with De Canio. When he played mm. he was in England, he was, everything was high profile with him. You know, when he went, he was at uh, Celtic and he was at uh, Sheffield Wednesday, went West, West Ham. West Ham and yeah. He was always high profile. But he, I never, you know, I thought he was a very, very talented guy, but I never thought he was, he was, he, he was really a top-class player at all. But that's beside the point. I think when you come into management, especially when you're coming into a club, Jer, don't mention the other manager. Just get on with the job. That's your job to do. But to make derogatory remarks like that particular one about not being fit, I know in football, that's the biggest insult to a defenceless manager because Martin couldn't say anything yeah. once he's out. Uh, and it's the worst thing you can say. But they certainly looked unfit to me the other night when they got their 6-1 hiding. Are Pardew and De Canio very, very lucky in that Wigan find themselves in a pretty difficult situation now, five points behind with the cup final still yeah, to well, distract them? Yeah, well you, well, you would think, you know, that the clubs like Sunderland and Newcastle shouldn't be in the relegation zone. But you're only in the relegation zone, Chair, because you haven't won enough matches. Wigan are always expected to be in the... Uh, thing. I think what's going against them actually now has been in the cup final because yeah. they've got to play a lot of matches in between the cup final. But that's the price you play, you pay for being in the cup final. You know, if you if you probably asked uh, uh, the manager, uh, he would say, "Well, I'd rather survive than win the World Cup." But if you ask the supporters, I think the supporters now would rather win the cup. You know, rather than just surviving the. But he's done it before. He, he's, he's Martinez has done a big job there. You know, yeah. He might, he might just get out of it. Well, if he gets out of it, it puts Newcastle and Sunderland. In big trouble. Uh, Villa impressed you the other night then? Very good. They were very good. I, I think Lambert has been great. He's, 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 he's had a policy or he's had to pursue a policy bringing these young lads in. Yeah. And as you know through the years that they've had some really bad defeats. Bradford beat them in the, in the, the, the League Cup uh, and he's never moaned. He's never complained about other teams. He's never complained about the referees. He's never complained. About, he just got on with it. And these young players, hopefully, I, I hope they do get out of it. And there was a lad playing the other and it was at Loughton. Yeah. Loughton right back really really outstanding player and there's a few young fellows who come into the team but he's stuck by them they kept playing the football and he's being rewarded for that because it's very difficult you come into a new club like he has done down near the, you know losing matches losing this losing that it's very easy to lose your head lose the players and all that and I think he's done brilliantly never blamed anybody else you know, when he came in he never blamed any the previous manager 
just got on with the job. I think he's done a, he's done a really great job and I hope to get out of it. All right, one more quick break to take and then we'll put uh, all your texts to John. 53106 if you want to uh, send some in now. Off the ball, getting inside the game on Newstalk 106 to 108. Okay, loads of uh, text coming in for John. Does John think it's justified for a club to keep their leaders like Lampard and Terry even if they're past it? Should clubs have loyalties to players? Um, I think the clubs should have loyalty to players but... Uh, I, I, I think the club and the manager of any club has an obligation to keep in the club players who are going to win them the next matches. Uh, and I don't, I think if the player, if the club honestly and the manager honestly believes that they're not as good as they were or there's better players, then you have an obligation for them to go. Uh, and I think like years ago in my time, there was no loyalty at all. And players in my day were... Where the clubs wouldn't help them out financially in any way. Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 consolation for Terry and Lampard now. These guys are multi multi millionaires now, and I'm not saying money is everything, but you can't. There's there's no. It's always now sign of football. There's no sentiment in football. Yeah. Because you're only as good as your last game. You're only as bad as your last game. But the manager, every manager's obligation is to pick a team and have players in the team that's going to win the next match. Whatever is gone, is gone. And I think John Terry and Lambert wouldn't wouldn't want to be kept at Stamford Bridge. Purely on sentiment. Yeah. No. Uh, Ken and Tralee wants to know, please ask John what he makes of Brian McDermott getting the job at Leeds United. Well, I think I think Brian's been unlucky. I, th- I, think, he, I think he was very harshly treated at Reading. I mean, Reading haven't spent any money. Uh, normally when clubs like Reading go down into the championship, they disappear. And he brought them back up. Hmm. I, th- I think he did a great job. And you look at, again, look at the change of manager. He hasn't actually performed miracles, which he needed to do to keep them up. I think Brian has been very, very unlucky. And on his record, um, you know, I, I think it's, it'll, be, it'll be a good, good job for, um, for Leeds. I just hope that, he, I saw him being interviewed a, a couple of weeks ago when he went, and uh, they always referred to the manager, are you going to be like dirty Leeds? And he didn't. I didn't. I didn't. He didn't answer to my satisfaction. Why? What was the? He said uh, no. He said I've always believed in playing good football and, and oh, not no. getting involved in that. <laughs> so uh, he didn't endear himself to me with that particular comment, you know. But I hope he does well. Does that uh, does that rankle the dirty league thing? Yeah, I mean, he's been asked. You see, the, what what they say. David O'Leary said the same when he came to Leeds. I want to be the best club team outside of Leeds. But you see, if you go back to the Leeds days, you ask the old Leeds supporters from my day when we were regarded as dirty Leeds, they loved the team, right? And you, like Manchester United, they're, they're not loved outside Manchester. You know, Newcastle, uh, David, I think, wanted to say that they want to be like Newcastle when Keegan was there. Best, but they never won anything. Yeah. When you start winning trophies, then the opposition don't like it. He we managed, were winning trophies at Leeds. He, David we, O'Leary managed that, all right. Yeah, you know what I mean? And we did, but they never won anything, uh, Jerry. So it's like outside Manchester or Liverpool at their best. Everybody didn't love Liverpool. In fact, Manchester people hated them. Liverpool hate Manchester because they're so successful now. So what's happened with Leeds with various managers? Oh, yeah, we want to be popular. You ask the old Leeds supporters, they don't care about being popular. We want to win trophies again. We had a great team. We were winning trophies every year. They weren't complaining about anything. And is that why the, the dirty thing stuck was because you were successful? Yeah, it was part of it. You know, like everybody said dirty. But this was around in the 60s and 70s where every team had people that could look after themselves as they say in the game every team had something to look after themselves in the game so we weren't we, 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 we weren't angels by any means and a lot, a lot of the criticism was, was deserved but it went over the top and to this day to be talking about you know even to, to McDermott where he's saying well 
I never believed it. Sort of, he's saying that. He didn't say, no, these were a great team. And if we can emulate that team, which I think you should have said, it'd be great. And that's what the supporters would want to hear. Yeah. I know when Dave was there, the supporters didn't want to hear what Dave was saying about Leeds being the best loved team. They didn't care about being the best loved team outside Leeds. They wanted to be loved inside Leeds. Yeah, they wanted to win the Champions exactly. League. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think that's fair enough as well. Um, a quick one here. Did John ever meet Bob Paisley? And what did he think was his best attribute as a manager? Um, I think uh, I think Paisley was a very wise guy, Jar. Uh, he was in a very difficult position. Shankly created the Liverpool team that he inherited. And I think Bob Paisley could have done that because he was at Liverpool as a coach before Shankly came. So he, he helped, obviously helped Shankly doing what he did. But what he did do... Uh, was uh, he, buried, he buried his ego. You talk about ego. Bob didn't want to put his own stamp on it in a way that some managers would have wanted to do. He took over a team that won, in 1974 he became, he took over a team that just won the cup, they won the league, Keegan, they were a top team. He didn't change anything. He didn't become bigger, he didn't want to become bigger than Shankly. In fact, he gives Shankly credit for doing, and all he did was, you know, what to say, if, 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 it's, if, it's, if it's ain't broken, don't, yeah. Don't fix it. He let them just let them go and play. And in the long time, he became a more successful manager than Shankly, and would be up there with Shankly in in the in the, the legends of. Uh, but he didn't try to come in and say, "Right, I'm going to put my own stamp on this. I'm going to be Bob Paisley. It's going to be different to Shankly's way." Just kept them going. Let was, it go. Was that maybe because he felt that he did have some involvement and ownership already, having been involved in the club? No. Well, well, well. well my my experience in football, Jerry, has been fellas who would be second in command always think they've done, they've done it mm. and they want to prove that they take over as manager that they're going to do it their own way. In other words, it's, it's a big ego thing. See, once he let it run, it was still Shankly's team for a season, maybe two seasons. But it very over the long run, it became Paisley's team. And, and I that, think if you'd have tried to change it, the players would have rebelled against it, the supporters would have rebelled against it and it, it wouldn't have been... A, I think it was very, very wise to do what he did. A question here from Stephen and Lusk and we got it quite a bit actually what's with the state of Scottish football the way it is does John think Celtic will ever join the Premiership considering they've one of the biggest supporters supports no, in the world no Joe our Rangers the Premiership wouldn't want them it's like the Turkish voting for Christmas you know what I mean yeah, you have to get a certain amount of the, the Premiership teams voting to let Celtic in yeah. so they're voting against themselves now people talk about the, the, the only beneficiaries of that would be Celtic right because if you got say Manchester Celtic are playing Manchester United, the away team at Manchester United get two and a half thousand allocation. They don't need them. They don't need them. Go to Spurs, Arsenal. They're packed out every week, and and then there, there can be with Celtic a troublesome crowd or a troublesome element to them, where to be more. They cost would cost the Premiership clubs to money. police. Yeah, there's no there's no benefit in the be- Premiership clubs at the moment allowing Rangers and Celtic, which they were talking about for years, into the Premiership. There's no benefit for them. Yeah. All right, John, we've got to leave it there. Thanks very much for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, And uh, John's going to be with us, of course, next week in McHugh's in Drod. If you want to come along, just text the word football to 53106. Thanks for listening to this Newstalk 106 to 108 podcast. To download other programmes or for more information, go to newstalk.ie.